0: Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in.
1: Hey, welcome back to Ciao Bella. Today I'm with Eleanor Baldwin. Hey, Ellie. I'm good. How are you?
2: Very good. Very good. Thank you.
1: Eleonora is a friend of mine. She's a journalist and she is what I like to consider the cheesiest TV celebrity I know. And um, I've, I feel like I've been saying this for the past 24 hours because I've been so excited to talk to you. One of the reasons why I call her the cheesiest is because she's the host and creator of a primetime hit called Abby Cheese, which is the funniest Name for anything in the world. It's so it's good. So it's so <laughs> it's good. It's <very> um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you if you want to just tell everybody what Abbe Cheese, Cheese is and also the other two shows that you're doing for Gambara Rosso.
2: Yes, correct. So Gambara Rosso is the Italian equivalent of the food network, let's say. It's Italy's prime food uh, channel, let's say. Um, and my Show AB Cheese. It's so cheesy. I, every time I, I say love,
1: it. I love it. Like, <laughs> like, if you have no idea the smile it gives me. <laughs> well, because in Italian, when we say the
2: alphabet, we say abici. We don't say ABC. So abici is the natural.
1: Exactly. Um, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it and mainly
2: it's the alphabet because my intent on the show was to taste them all. That was the claim. I want to taste them all. And I want to like make an index and make an alphabet of all the cheeses. Now that is an, an impossible uh, endeavor, mainly because Italy does not have one representative cheese per region. So 20 cheeses, ha ha ha, ha. It has <laughs> like 650 DOP cheeses, meaning that they are made in a certain way and are restricted to a certain area. Plus you have all the combinations. So you can make blue with different kinds of milk or you can make ricotta with different, you know, it's like endless, endless number of cheeses. So we found that out in the first season and uh, we've done three seasons. Then it went on hiatus for a while and uh, now it's going to return. So spoiler alert. Um, the uh, the cheese is that we, so it's a 25 it's a minute television show that investigate's it's a traveling cheese show. So it's not a cooking show. It's an eating show. I eat on screen very much. And it's the success of the show essentially is uh, me going around farms and wading in mud and um, milking animals uh, and getting um, very uh, soaked in whey And then following the milk to the production process, showing people how cheese is made, but not in a boring way, in a fun comedic, usually way. And, um, And then ending in the aging room and then making my way so that I can taste them. Because that's my objective is taking photos, cheese, you know, that very other cheesy thing of uh, saying cheese when you're posing for a photo and then essentially tasting them. I taste two cheeses per episode, meaning that I go to two different farms, usually small, usually unknown uh that's my love nothing industrial and then i invite the two producers that i've bugged the whole episode to dinner or lunch so we end around the table toasting and in a like a standoff of which of the two cheeses used by a chef <laughs> in two recipes uh gets the gold and they always do both of them obviously
1: so with Abhi, you you said you finished 3 seasons um Yes. Is that correct? So with yes. Abby cheese, how many cheeses have you enjoyed?
2: Well, counting, you know, each season it's 10 episodes. So that's 30 episodes.
1: So that's that 60 is. cheeses? But that's 60
2: cheeses on camera. Then there's like the cheeses that the producer says, here, try this now. Or can we just shoot this little, you know, segment and then we won't use it. We use it all the time. So I would say I've tasted over the course of filming about a hundred cheeses. <laughs> yeah, I would say about in the hundreds. Yeah.
1: And then okay, okay. And, I love my life. And that's just shooting because um, I know that you probably tasted like you probably you're probably one of the few people that's come close to trying every single Italian cheese. I bet. I bet you're. I bet you're up in the five hundred range.
2: You're right. Probably, probably that. <laughs> Um, I, just, I even tried the cheese with the little maggots in it, and we won't linger on that anymore. That's that's the one cheese I could have done without, but all the others. But you like still did it. So don't ask me which is my favorite.
1: <laughs> so you also have two other shows that I'd love to hear about and love for you to share. And then I just want to let everybody know that this is not this is not a whim. Um, Eleonora is also she's got a great blog called Aglio Olio e Peperoncino, um, which is food, travel, and lifestyle. And she has, of course, a really cool tour company called Casa Mia Tours, which is custom culinary adventures all over Italy. But I wanna get back to those two other shows. Yeah.
2: Okay, so another show that I did um, since I wanted to also, these shows essentially are, they talk about my passion for food and I didn't think anyone would be interested in that, but they are, which is wonderful. So I talked about this crazy woman who gets in her car and drives miles to go eat obscure cheeses. And then on the, on the wave of that, I said, well, maybe they're interested in knowing that I'm also half American because I was born in the States and raised here. I have one parent was American and my mom is Roman. So I wanted to show that duality and give back also and debunk a myth that American food is all junk food. So I called a show, What's America? And, (laughs) <laughs> inspired by alberto sordi when he does his skit of eating uh, what's americano he he's like he wants to be american and and then ends up eating spaghetti with his hands um i did a show on again uh, one season this was one season 10 episodes on uh, not all american food is junk so we talked about how to build the perfect burger, um, oh. Italian-American recipes like spaghetti and meatballs and fettuccine Alfredo and um, you know, banana bread and um, <laughs> how to make your own peanut butter and how to make your own ketchup and, and trying to bring back the nobility of these very interesting cultural expressions of our culture. So that was called What's America and it was a lot of fun to shoot. And I, you know, used incredible chefs and, and people who are um, also like me, half and half, <laughs> a little bit American, but living in Rome. And so also telling people where they can go and have good pancakes and, you know, find a good egg Benedict and all things like that, um, at least in Rome. Uh, not as pan-Italian as Abitiz, but it was it was a fun show to shoot. And then the last thing that I did, which was a lot of fun, it was right before... Um, the spring, so it was in the winter. I uh, shot a uh, one one hour special with my mom called At Tavola con Mamma, so at the table with mom, and it's about food and memory, and through our elders and our you know older older people who have memories of memories of food and of recipes and hunger mainly. My mom you know was born in 1938 so she was a child oh, the war, yeah. the war II. yeah and um it's a little uh travel th- through it's like a walk in the city uh, in our city in Rome and and leasing through recipe uh handwritten recipe uh books of my grandmother her mom and uh it was supposed to be a six episode um show this is a sneak preview behind the scenes it turned out to be a just two episodes that then were morphed into one uh special they called it a special because it goes only once because my mom is not really super young and she couldn't handle the rhythms of what had intended and so we just made it into something very tender and very sweet and she's very funny and very humorous and she you know we go into her house and into her kitchen and um and yeah, and she talks about her life growing up as the daughter of a prominent filmmaker. My grandfather was Vittorio De Sica. He was an incredible filmmaker. He was the director of many films that that made the history of Italian cinema. And and she's very she talks about it so humbly. And so she always talking about food and and how that was a reflection of of the life at that time and then she drops things like oh and this living room is where the bicycle seat was written and I was like <laughs> uh, okay oh okay yeah and and you know I would be you know to- a toddler and, and walking around the house and, and uh, anyway just small tender moments of family life um, through food so I, I thought that that was a fun way of talking about Italian culture through recipes
1: you know you said something about you said your mom was born in 1938 um and i'm i'm gonna tie this so my mom was born in rome in 1942 and um she when she i guess what the story is and, and this now is going to really tie back into you and she's is that um she developed a milk intolerance so mm. and but they didn't know that and so they thought first it was just breast milk and then so my great-grandfather yeah, I guess he would be my great grandfather, no, my grandfather, sorry, my grandfather went around and he would get goat's milk. He got like every single yeah. kind of milk from my mom, mm-hmm. which yeah. made her develop like a distinct hatred for milk. And, oh, oh. and to be honest, for anything creamy and cheesy. So like the only, she only likes Parmigiano cheese,
0: <laughs> you know? Exactly. I, because,
1: okay. Because, yeah, because of that. Exactly. exactly. So <laughs> So what when I grew up, you know, like the only cheese, like I mean, yes, we'd have like a good mozzarella every now and then, but it had to be really good. But like literally, my mom was like, "No, cheese is is horrible." So that's why I'm so excited to talk with you about cheese because cheese became this thing like it was a slow, quiet, tentative experiment for me as a child because all I knew was like milk and cheese were horrible because my mom couldn't stand them. <laughs> And and it's really funny because she also didn't like peaches for some many reasons, so I believe they were bad too. Love them now.
0: <laughs> I realized my mom
1: was very opinionated and and opinions from when she was a kid. So,
0: um,
1: I I start I now really love cheese and and because you are the cheesiest person and you love food so much and it's such a pleasure. I've I've had the opportunity to walk around with Eleonora, um, walk around Rome and talk about food. And this is even cooler. And I mean, like there's this combination for me. I'm a big cinema junkie. So her, as she mentioned, her grandfather was Vittorio di Sica, Sica, and he did The the Bicycle Thief. He did a, a numerous amount of amazing films that won Academy Awards and all sorts of awards. Um, and we walked around Rome and I got a cool, I'm gonna go nerdy. I got a little taste for Italian cinema, <laughs> along with food with Eleonora because she, ex- she, you're able to bring it together. Um, You know, I I think food and cinema are obviously, they're always tied together, but you you know, walking on the streets of Rome and talking with you about your grandfather, about cinema in general, about the cinema that you've worked on as well, and then tying it in and eating the food in that moment or eating the food in that scene or, you know, like feeling that scene through food is super cool. So I thought, (laughs) I thought, okay, wait, I love talking to Eleonora, I love her passion for food, she is the cheesiest person, we're going to talk about <laughs> cheese. So I asked Eleonora, I said, so so before anything, let's let's just like, you, you mentioned that there are probably over 600 um, different kinds of cheese in in Italy. Um, so as you were saying that, I was saying to myself, would I say cheeses or would I say cheese? kind of cheese like do I is it okay to use the plural for cheeses or cheese now I'm confusing myself now I'm caught in this do we say cheese well
2: well, it is it is a age old um uh problem as in I would prefer calling it cheese plural it's cheese the cheese the many cheese of Italy but it doesn't sound good but I would rather uh change the category name and call it uh, Latticini. In Italian, oh. it's perfect. It's products made with milk, ah. <clears throat> which also includes things like ricotta, which is not a cheese because it's a
1: re-cooked liquid that is drained away from curds. During the That's my sound effect of my mind being blown. <laughs> nice. So it's so. That
2: doesn't have, and I won't get technical, the precipitation of casein, which is the protein, da-da-da-da-da. but it is also considered a cheese. So let's call it a broader spectrum. So all things milk. And there's an author, Clifton Fadiman, who said milk, a cheese is milk's leap towards immortality. It's true because it's a live organism and you should never swaddle it in plastic and, and poor things. Um, you know, take away its oxygen supply. Um, but uh, yeah, so cheeses versus cheese. <sighs> I'm going to leave that suspended, but we can talk about milk products. So anything okay. made with milk and, and rennet. So anything that makes cheese or acid that makes milk um, coagulate or become solid, So it's a magic thing. Essentially, it's a magic trick. You turn liquid into solid, and then you age it, and then you eat it, and it makes you happy.
1: So (laughs) it is the magic trick. (laughs) So before we were recording this, I asked Eleonora to pick some cheese, some milk products, (laughs) some lapicini, (laughs) that made her happy. And I would love for you to tell us the ones you've chosen. Okay, so like... You can't ask a parent who's your favorite <laughs>
2: child, or an artist which is your favorite, you know, piece or uh, any any of that. Um, you, I decided to talk about a favorite style of cheese. So there's I could get again technical, bloomy rind, you know, uh, washed rind cheeses. These are all techniques of during the the beginning of cheese making is all the same. You heat milk, you add um, a an enzyme and it makes it harden. You separate the liquid from the solid and then you press, age, and that's it. That's as far as you go. Then how you age it and what you add in that milk and in those enzymes changes the style of cheese. Whether you wash the rind or you put it in a room full of spores, that's a different thing. That makes the cheese different at that point of the, of the process. So I decided to go with a style that I am very much, in love with and it is the style of blues very generically called blue cheeses meaning the cheeses that are covered and or usually uh veined with blue slash green molds spores uh not it's a very polarizing food i understand that not everyone likes uh blue cheeses because they are funky and they are covered in mold I myself did not eat them until I was fifteen because I thought that they were gone bad. Sorry, I didn't cut you
1: off. No, 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 I was gonna say, I was gonna say one, I was gonna say that um, you know, they're if we think about it, they're healthy in the sense that they carry cultures of penicillin, which he might need to fight okay. off an infection. Um, mm-hmm. and two, you can imagine that blue cheese was the last cheese <laughs> that entered my my palate of cheese eating. Well,
2: in a family where milk was ostracized, I understand that. But then, okay, then we'll talk about myths later. But I mean, blue cheese, you have to be one adventurous. You have to be brave. You have to be dared by someone. You have to be maybe there's a boyfriend involved. There's got to be things that really make you decide to try something that's crawling with mold because mold for us is something negative. Again, it's penicillin. So, I knock on wood. I haven't had a cold in a long time. It's because I consume huge amounts. I like to think of it that way. Um, But I didn't eat blue cheese until I was 15. Then emulation. I was seeing a girlfriend put take a piece of blue cheese and put it on a pear and eat it, and the, the gesture was so sophisticated that I had to imitate her. And there was an epiphany. I had like an explosion of flavor. I call
1: um, that the, that's, Did you ever see the film Ratatouille? That's the Ratatouille moment. Yeah, exactly. That's like when you have the pairing. Oh, that's that. Yeah, I've I've had I've had those moments with cheese as well with with yeah. milk, milk, milk products. <laughs> <laughs> <That's the cheese. laughs> and so
2: I decided to uh with Erica today to talk about blue cheeses. There is several blue cheese. Is not just Roquefort or Gorgonzola. There is so much more in the spectrum because once you add those um, bacteria, the spores of of, um, Penicillium uh, Roqueforti or Penicillium Candidum or all of the various Penicilliums that can be added to cheese to make it blue, uh, you get a wide range of products. Um, Do we want to talk about how the magic of making blue cheese or is that too complicated for this? Interview. Well,
1: you know, we could, we could, we could do it. We could see, let's see how it goes. Um, because I, I do make it very brief because yeah. it is and it'll
2: add appreciation for the blue cheese, for those of you who are on the fence, Okay,
0: let, let's, let let's do it. it.
2: Let's you, do it. You make cheese like you make any other cheese. Like I said, you heat the milk, you add the enzyme, you wait 20 minutes and then it becomes pudding and it's incredible. You cut it depending the size of how you cut the little globules or the grains that changes the way the cheese is going to be in the end. Then you put it in a shape, you press it, and you put it on a shelf for three weeks. Okay, so it's aging. After three weeks, what you've done in the meantime, while you were mixing in the enzyme, you threw in a few of those spores, those penicillium spores, Mm -hmm. but they're dormant. A little bit of mold may form on the outside of the cheese after a week or two, but still, inside is creamy and nice. What these spores are oxygen-loving. So what you do is you pierce the cheese with needles, special needles, and you let air in. And once the air is in, those spores magically activate on their own because they finally have oxygen and they create those beautiful veins, which give flavor, complexity, texture, and salivating, all of those (laughs) elements that go in the crazy funky world of blue cheese so that's the magic of making blue cheeses get air in there and i will give you magic so how which blue cheeses should i talk about i would like to talk about those blue cheeses that are made with okay gorgonzola number one is the cheese <clears throat> the blue cheese that everyone knows but gorgonzola can be soft it can be sharp it can be old it can be young
1: so I think yeah, the, I, I right? think that's I think that's the cheese that when people think of blue cheese in Italy that's all they think of, correct? That's all they think of. And Gorgonzola is
2: made in the town of Gorgonzola.
1: So when you go there, you're actually
2: in the cheese <laughs> in the world of Gorgonzola. Um it's made with cow's milk and it's a very <clears throat> young. When it's young, it's creamy and it doesn't have a shape and so they wrap it in like this golden tin foil. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. And then it's, as it starts to age and lose moisture, it becomes more sharp and more, more tangy and more gym bag and more feet. Because it stinks, okay? So it does stink. But the flavor is so good. Um, and what you want to do with a younger cheese is smear it. And with an older cheese that's lost its moisture, you want to crumble it. Don't think of those prepackaged rope for crumbled things that you put on salads. That's something else. Here you're looking at a yeah, very... We're,
1: <clears throat> we're, we're, we're f- so far away from that, like, prepackaged supermarket yeah. cheese. Yeah.
2: Spend a little. Go to your cheesemonger. Go to stores that offer international cheeses and look and also American cheeses. There's great blue American, you know, made in America. Um, or, or abroad in the rest of the world. <clears throat> With something tangy and crazy, like... Soft gorgonzola dolce, which is young. You want to pair it with soft, viscous, sweet things. So like a dessert wine, pizotearn, pasillo, or honey, or jams that are not too, like, you know, like cherry jam is a little too tart. You want to go with crazy sweet jams that counter that tangy, smelly, um, creamy, oozy, sweet, or more crumbly, drier. Um, gorgonzola and that's a pairing that makes the cheese really you know you can have it on its own I'm a big fan of not mixing stuff with cheese but also never pickles on the cheese board please I know it's great for Instagram but don't do that and <laughs> yeah no, no no it's like an insult um <laughs> uh so that's you know the cheese pairing that you do at home then there's cheeses like blue sessantuno blue 61 Or Amore Primitivo, one from the north and one from the south of Italy. They're very similar, but they're completely different. Uh, One is sweeter, and the other is more, it's like a different balance. Um, Blue 61 is a soft blue cheese that's aged in passito Mm. wine and covered in red berries, like Ribes Rosso. I think that's like a, uh, it's not a cranberry, it's like a... a
1: is it lingonberry? Is it, it's, like,
2: it's Rebus. It's Rebus. It's like a mulberry,
1: let's say. Yeah, I'm trying to think, because I, I, I th- that's one of those words that I'm always looking for in English that okay. I never find, but I, I like them. Um, and it's like made that. by my, Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, <laughs> go ahead. It's made, yeah.
2: It's made by uh, my friend Alessandro Carpenedo. It's a three-generation uh, cheese maker in Treviso, in Veneto. Is it and is it true it,
1: that it was made as a wedding gift? Yes, his
2: father Antonio, founder of the Car- Carpenedo Casearia, um named his cheese after the year he and his wife Josepina got married in 1961. So I to mean, me that's romantic, that's
1: so romantic. That is so. I would love that. <laughs> I don't know, um, if I, would, yeah. I, don't know if I don't I don't know if I'd get like a blue cheese. I'm thinking I would have to have like a really creamy one. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe like I don't know. maybe I would want something a little picante, You know, a little tangy. I kind of have a little bit of that, mm, you know, that Hey. But <laughs> did, did he make it what, when was it for a special wedding anniversary or Uh,
2: it's a recent cheese so it was it started winning awards in 2005. So yeah, it's rather recent. Um and he's an older gentleman, so his Sons are now taking over, um, but it's just a lovely love story, and it's you know aged in pasito and covered in berries, so Beautiful. it's got that pairing already. You know, it's got that sweet tang. Um, ah. When I went to a cheese competition in Piemonte last year, they put them in like little chocolate ramekins, little glo- little clumps oh. of that, and so they were serving it like going around with you'd have a glass of wine and chat with people and then you would get like this little they look like candy and you popped it in your mouth and then geez,
1: so you like. had the you had the blue 61 with chocolate
2: no it was no it was i'm sorry I, I must have not explained myself it was served in a chocolate ramekin like in a little contain, like the little
1: oh i see what you're talking chocolate. about okay so yeah
2: so it was, yeah. it was served in a way that it looked like candy, but it was actually oh, I, okay.
1: Yeah, like those little thingies David. that they yeah, like to make it look like
2: yeah.
0: um, like not a yeah. petite four, but um, <laughs> yes. Oh,
2: yeah. So that was that was a love, and I can find that in Rome and in the shop that's down the road from me. So I'm very happy to know that it's there, and it's a lovely cheese. It is, however, a big. Uh, Car- Casearia Carpenedo is a big deal company um, then I discovered that there's a small little um, cheesemaker in Puglia in uh, Altamura which is a town known for its bread
1: which is like west of Bari, right I believe it's, it's like yeah, it's a, it's it's a really- small little
2: town and there's a family of five kids they're all very young under 40 three boys and two girls the two girls work the front of the house the guys in the back make the cheese and they're all very handsome by the way
1: <laughs> uh, and, it's, and what's uh, the name of this <laughs> it's out to, what, what are their names <laughs> the cabeficio
2: di chica di Cecca is the family name and these guys you see them they're like they've got like their strawberry blonde hair they're covered in tattoos and they're very hip, and they travel around the world, and they make the obvious, you know, fun curd pasta filata cheese like burrata
1: and mozzarella. In and fact, like, you know, when, when you when you sent me the list of cheese, and it said Puglia, and I was like, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about blue. I wouldn't. I always, you know, when you think of Puglia, you're thinking of the burrata, the stretchy cold cheeses. So yeah, this is interesting.
2: So these kids have been making cheese since they were kids, also because the dad would say, come here, you've got some little hands, make the nodini, make the little oh, knots of, of pasta. So he's like, these kids have been making cheese. They only eat cheese. <laughs> and Vito, the youngest of the, of the three boys, uh, started making cheese when he was six, but he has an insane passion for blue because he went all around the world for travel and for study um, and stayed a while in Australia and in Britain. And he learned how to make blues from very important uh, British cheese makers. And oh, he, that's
1: interesting.
2: Yes. And so he decided experiment, started experimenting with blues. Um, and he started adding, you know, a which is a natural yellow coloring. <clears throat> he started working with these blue veins. When he proposed to his girlfriend, he didn't do it with champagne and strawberries. He soaked a heart-shaped blue cheese in Primitivo wine, which is a polio wine, covered in cranberries. He had it delivered at the dinner table, and he dropped to one knee. So I'd like to (laughs) keep a moment for that. I mean, that to me is like, he's very, very much younger than I am, but that is something that I would really
1: like someone to do for me. That is like, that is so incredibly beautiful and old school and artisan and yeah. everything I love <laughs> all in one moment all
2: in one moment. And he calls this cheese Amore Primitivo, Primitive Love. But Primitivo is the name of the wine. Oh
1: my god. So these
2: two cheeses, Blue 61 and Amore Primitivo are on paper very similar because they're both soaked in one is a tart wine, a red dry wine, and the other is a sweet pastito, And they're both covered in berries. So they do create both, that.
1: They're both love. They're celebrating love.
2: They're both celebrating love. They're both talking about a wedding. Um, you know, the first is soft, like Gorgonzola. The second, the Gorgonzola Primitivo is more crumbly, like shock. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Both are same, same, but different, different. So I wanted to talk about these two because they are really, really good. And they are rare and it, they're hard to find. And one is made in a slightly larger third-generation Creamery. The other is a family, you know operation again from the 1920s both I mean 1908 actually the grandfather of the Dicheka started making cheese but it's just I just love that they are diametrically distant but very similar
1: me too and then
2: yeah I could keep going I don't know you know (laughs) talking about blues
1: that exist in the world Well, you mentioned two other great blues Okay, so and I want I want you now. to pronounce. You're gonna have to like the one I've been I've been try, I've been trying to pronounce it in Italian and in English, and then I thought I'd try it in German. Uh, the stracci stracchi tunt
2: Stracci tunt. It's an amazing cheese. The tunt means tondo, round.
1: Ah. Stracchi
2: is stracchino. That means it's not stracchino as we like to call
1: stracchino, but it's a cheese is like a soft, creamy, like really mild exactly. cheese. It, it talks about the fact that it's stuck,
2: it's tired. And so it kind of uh. Uh, rests and creamifies and becomes creamy. Um, so Strakitunt is just a fantastic blue that I had the fortune of uh, seeing being made <laughs> during the show.
1: And where, where is it from?
2: It is from the uh, Bergamo area so in the north of Italy in uh, Lombardia Lombardy and it really is more than a cheese it's a culture it's it's the also it's an area that has recently had a lot of trouble and so I'm happy to give back to them and uh, it's a geographic experience you know expression of people and it's only made in that certain area um The technique goes back centuries. Um, It's the area where it's made. So it's what the cows are eating. So the cows are eating this grass and it's natural, non treated grass. The soil is giving, it's like a cycle. It's anyway, I'm very, I get really romantic when I talk about this. So um, it's again um, kind of a dusty rind on the outside. It's kind of hard. Uh, The inside is kind of yellowish, and it goes towards gray at the end of the season because obviously the cows are not eating green grass, which translates into Ah. beta-carotene. So they're eating more dry grass, and so the color of their milk changes, and the color of the cheese changes based on the color of the milk. It is marbled uh, with those incredibly wonderful uh, blue uh, streaks, uh, veins they're called them. And as it ages, you know, the, the wheel of flavors in the spectrum of blue is wild. It goes from cooked milk and grass to metallic almost. Um, so if you're making strachitunt in the winter and then you age it, it'll be slightly lactic. So milky, uh, warm butter, that kind of flavor uh, spectrum. But then it'll taste more like, more like uh, you know when you have a sip of red wine after a bite of fish. You'll get that metallic flavor in your mouth. Some people don't like it. I personally am okay with it. That's what happens when you get the when you get a taste of old, aged, not old, aged stakichon. And uh, it's funny because the cheese kind of disappeared. Um, after a while and then it was re it was like re, resuscitated by a few producers and i think that's that's a very good story
1: <laughs> you know you know i was i was reading about it and um and i heard it's also considered the celebrity cousin of gorgonzola that's what a journalist described it as oh, and i thought <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really sweet, too, because I was, you know, I was I was reading a little bit about like the history of cheese in ancient Rome and, and, and Bergamo and in and northern Italy, which I was like, wow, it's like it gets it gets intense. It's great. I mean, it goes back. But um, and then you, just like you're saying, it kind of disappeared. And then it's come back in this, I don't know, exclusive celebrity cousin way <laughs> that I thought was charming. <laughs> yeah, it's good it's you a know, good cheese. Um, you know it's yeah. funny when I was thinking about when I was I was reading about cuz I I I had never heard the word traquinto before and I was you know just going through your, the cheeses that you were suggesting and, and I was like okay I know after I was looking at a bunch of them like I've had this the um Darius and I had a dinner um at do, do you know um Enrico Cherea, he's he's got a restaurant in Bergamo called uh, Da Vittorio
0: sí, and
1: yeah and he had, he had, he has another, we read we a second restaurant. So we were not actually not in Bergamo, but we were at a second restaurant, which is not in Bergamo. And we had this incredible, beautiful dinner that was, you know, he's, he's a Michelin star chef, but it was not like, it was, it was to me the perfect version of Italian Michelin because it was not, it was not, did not require much thinking on my part. <laughs> it was not, yeah. it was not, it was not too conceptual. It was just like delicious, incredible cuisine that was from primarily Bergamo that you know like his family recipes and we had this and it was long and it was fun and we were talking with him we had this (laughs) great time and then he's like oh wait a minute we're not finished and we were like okay and he brought out the cheese plate and we were like whoa and he's like no these are all cheeses from basically Bergamo Lombardia right it's all from the region of Lombardy, and then primarily from around Bergamo and my, i think my taste buds by that point had already expired <laughs> and i was like oh no and Dara looks at me and he's like he just he was like just whatever wine you suggest we can handle this and it was because he <laughs> loves he he loves all the blue cheeses and it was just all different really tangy beautiful blue cheeses latticini milk products <laughs> i'm never gonna get, get through that and I know, we definitely, now that I think about it, because I remember him telling us this, 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 I can't even say it, because I remember kind of laughing at the name, and I, but I remember yeah. thinking, oh, are we having a strakino? And I think Dar- Darius and I afterwards were like, oh, that was a cool strakino. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not. Because, and I remember I remember, Enrico being like, these are incredible cheese from my region, and I brought them here, and we were like, wow, like that's like some commitment to to, 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 to Lombardia.
2: And there's a saying, that's the reason why he brought it out at the end of the meal, is because there's a famous Lombard uh, saying, I think it was coined in Bergamo, saying, la boca no les so the mouse is never tired until it tastes like cow or it doesn't have
1: milk you know so you got to end the meal with cheese which oh that's you know what? that's actually yeah. great that make, completely makes sense now that i think about it because you do also you the, the side like this i will i distinctly remember from that the ending of that dinner the sides of my tongue were extraordinarily tired at the end of it
2: tired but also you're digesting because the blue you know and Uh, if they're aged
1: yeah now i know you have one last cheese that is from the area as well yes another
2: um northern italian but a lot of people you have to think that blue di bufala, blue made with bufala. i mean and now my voice becomes I get all of nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. It's the union of two of my favorite situations. Milk products, mozzarella di bufala and blue. Mozzarella di bufala is that incredible soft, young cheese, run, runny and liquidy that's made with the milk of water buffaloes, not bison. Don't think of bison. That's something different. Uh, Water buffaloes are Asian bovines that now thrive in the marshy lowlands of uh, uh, central and southern Italy. But there's also northern regions of Italy that use that beautiful, rich, fatty milk of the bufale to make different kinds of cheeses besides mozzarella. Um, Again, have... how these... <sharp> i <inhale> Yeah. <laughs> you know, when mozzarella was uh, making milk from this, I mean, mason cheese from this incredible milk. I don't know how these water buffaloes arrived in the Mediterranean, probably during the Norman period in Sicily, which is, I mean, a chapter unto itself. Um, Saracen and Moorish invasions, maybe coming from the east, uh, brought it into Sicily, which was uh, a new dominion. And then under Frederick II, my love of my life, Unfortunately, there's <laughs> several centuries between us. Um, in you know, in the in the 13th century, slowly migrated to the current areas where they are now. Um, but at that point, this genius decided to use this fatty, more concentrated milk of the female to make mozzarella. And epiphany, you know, the 12th century monks in Capua were already making cheese with. Uh, cow's milk and then they started using the buffalo milk. Anyway, I'm getting really, really too technical. Back to Bergamo. Gorgonzola type cheese. Uh, blue di bufala is made with uh, with this buffalo milk. Imagine making blue cheese with that same fatty concentrated sweet milk of the water buffaloes. It's, again, make that mind-blowing.
1: Kind of I was just about to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is- it's mind-blowing. I had no idea. Yeah, that's what I say that we have 600
2: DOP cheeses in Italy, but then just change the milk and you have many more. You have like, you can make cheese with cow, goat, sheep, buffalo, so make cheese with donkey milk. I mean, we don't in Italy, but uh, (laughs) you just think of the possibilities, just swap one ingredient and in the, in the classic technique, and you've got a completely different cheese. So Blue di is that it's it's like again talking about marriage. It's the marriage of an incredible technique of making blue, but you're using a milk that's foreign to that area and that is intended for a completely different style of cheese, and it's just
1: happy. So it's happy really things. really soft, I'm guessing.
2: It is. It's soft because it's good to um to not age it too much to um start consuming it when it's about a month or two months or three months. I wouldn't go past that because otherwise it starts getting a different kind of tang that is we, we call that funky. Is that the technical term? <laughs> I like funky, so <laughs> no, it would just <laughs> it would just lose the you would lose the bufala element because the blue veins would take over too much and you wouldn't have that
1: I wish we could keep talking only about all the crazy different cheeses that people don't expect because I think, because I think, and I think we're gonna have to do this again and we're gonna pick another kind of cheese because I think, you know, there is that reputation when it, you know, everybody's like, oh, I love burrata, I love mozzarella, I love Italian cheese, I love parmigiano. And there's like, I feel like we have like, maybe there's like four kinds of cheese that people really get into. And there's, you know, which is normal, you know, like parmigiano is great and it's all over. And mozzarella, I mean, like, Like a nice stretch can't be beat. A good burrata, you know, that can make me cry.
2: No, you just scratch the surface.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's
2: infinite numbers and and small producers and inventions and innovations. Like little, like these kids in Puglia, they started making blue with what they had available. So, yeah. So, and also like, yeah, and the Sardinian sheep shepherd that makes cheese in his garage. I mean
1: hygienically
2: t- challenging
1: but incredibly good <laughs> so earlier you you made a quick little side comment and you were like do not put a pickle on a cheese dish um i would love to know how you serve what 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 would you serve how many cheese would you put on a cheese dish um what would you serve with it okay if, so if we were gonna do a little blue day blue afternoon
2: blue okay so just blue do
1: you mean or
2: a variety, well, well, you know Actually, on, like
1: gonna... the cheese board. Cause I, I mean, I like, I don't...
2: A cheese board of just blues is like for curd nerds like me. <laughs> I would do a little bit of a variety. Okay. Uh, and... and how many how many cheeses you put on your cheese board is really how much you want to spend. Okay. Um, because, geez, you know, five pieces of cheese can really, you know, put a little dent in your wallet for that day, but it's so much happiness. Um, I would go with five different as a minimum. And I would cover all the milks if possible and all the styles. So I would have a oh. picorino, something made oh. with sheep milk. And then you'd have to pick which picorino. So you want something really sharp and salty and chalky, you would go with picorino romano. But then your taste buds are gone. So I would go with something a little more mild. So a picorino either from Sardinia, which is slightly smoky, Again, aged 12 to 18 months, or I would go with a picorino Toscano, something Tuscan, a little more mild from Siena, from Pienza, okay. something a lot more uh, approachable. Uh, then I would pick for milk, uh, cow's milk, I would probably, would include a blue, so I would go as a basic gorgonzola, nothing, again, nothing too, so not the, you know, the blue 61 or the, anything with other elements on it, I would pick cheeses that are as is so mm-hmm. a basic gorgonzola that's maybe mild so it doesn't freak too many people out and i would have that then i would have a uh, buffalo milk if you don't want to use mozzarella di bufala i would use either ricotta di bufala oh my god <laughs> uh, another another moment there of, of you know contemplation or um, maybe, you know what, instead of the mozzarella, I would have like a creamy, spreadable goat cheese, chèvre. Not everyone likes the goat animal, <laughs> the gamey kind of uh, tang of goat milk. That was one of the last cheeses that I learned to love. But Really? Not, like, it. Yeah. yeah. Mm, interesting. I'm not, a that... big, I'm not a big yogurt person, so it's in that side of the world. So it's got that little bit of barnyard, do you, do you like Greek yogurt? I'm starting to love it. I put a I'm lot of... Sure. A melty, like a Swiss kind of cheese. I'm talking about like big groups of cheeses. I'm not talking about... So Fontina is fantastic. But then yeah. you, have, you not put like a uh, caramelli Comte. If we're leaving Italy, go to France. Or like butterscotch. <laughs> it's like butterscotch and cheese form. Oh my gosh. Saleggio, a big washed rind... Orange, sticky, tacky, outside, inside, smells like oh my god! People to be running away from the cheese table because <laughs> so much, but it is so good. You know that's in the um, in the camembert in the brie world, let's say. Um, so yeah, about five different styles and different milks, if you can vary, uh,
0: and then and then,
2: the, and then the pairings. I would have fresh sliced uh, pear or apple, it's a palate cleanser. It's not so much pairing them together. It's between bites you want to clean and
1: reset. Oh,
0: no.
1: I see. I see how you're doing this. Interesting. Or jam and never pickle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that would just like kind of contradict the taste that you're having. You know, it would just change it up, right? Yeah, it would I'm... just take over. I, I, but I will suggest to everybody that you should do a pickle tasting where you get a just, a, just, just only pickles and you just try every different kind of pickle possible. And <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to do that with you, Eleonora, anytime. But I think we might have to like go to New York <laughs> and source some really exactly. good ones there. Now, actually, yeah, that, yeah. that brings me to a good question. I know you love cheese and you mentioned that you're lucky because you have a cheese spot or you have a, maybe it's an elementary around the corner from your house. I'd love to know where in Rome, what are your favorite cheese spots? In Italy too, or in the world?
2: Uh, well, there's number one cheese in Rome is, in your neighborhood, is Beppe Soy Formaggi. He's it's so fantastic. Nice. He's a fourth generation cheese maker. Has his own cows in Piemonte and his own sheep in Sardinia. His he makes style cheeses. Uh, yeah. I mean robiola mista is like oh, it's like yeah. a moment of yeah. And he makes his own version of Parmigiano. Can't call it Parmigiano, but he calls it Giallina. Yeah. Um, which is, again mind blowing. And he makes his own cultured butter and it's a shop where you can also go and sit down and do tastings. Yeah. I like that place. I'm there often <laughs> another great place in Rome which is less um, uh, posh it's a market it's called the formageria la formageria and francesco loretti is the owner he runs two very successful market stalls in the mercato latino in san giovanni and that is like a big cheese nerd place and people oh, really? sells cheeses from around italy and around the world he's very knowledgeable he loves blues like me he has a full display of blues he um and his wife run this fantastic little market stall that's only open you know monday to saturday from uh, 8 a.m to 2 p.m and then if you're in the inner circle at 2 p.m when everyone else is shutting down he starts doing like private tasting things, and things that are we're not talking about anything legal here because he's not supposed to be <laughs> selling cheese out of you know after hours but then he's like friend of mine's coming and bringing special pegodino. Do you want to do a catch with e paper face off with me? Yeah. And you show up and there's like people uncorking wines and here, try my wine or here, this is a little <laughs> That's a friendly get together. That That's just a little a friendly, friendly get, get together. And I was introduced to him by a wonderful, you know, common friend who runs the, the blog Rome wise. She uh, lives in that neighborhood, Alyssa and she brought me there, so I have to hats off to her for that. Um, in Bergamo, we talked about Bergamo. There is a great place called Ol Formager, and it is Giulio Signorelli. He's a lovely little old man. He looks like <laughs> he looks like a little elf. Uh, his family has been making cheese since the 1920s, and it's a shop that I wish we had in Rome because it's only cheese. Mm. Here we have the salumeria, you know, like the delis. They have cured meat, bread sometimes. They diversify. Giulio only sells cheese. So that's like, yeah, I, I would love a shop in Rome that's dedicated simply Just to cheese. cheese. Yeah. Beppe, for example, in Rome, they have other things because they're, maybe they're not confident that cheese alone can cut it, but it can't.
1: <laughs> Wait oh, it. It's funny. It's funny. I was thinking about how, like, you know, Italy compared to France or are- rome compared to paris um, exactly. there's a cult of cheese shops in in you know france is known for its incredible cheese shops and they ha- and, and france does have a lot of great cheeses like hats off to you france yeah and italy kind of gets like second city status and i said second city second you know like it's like kind of in the shadows when you know as we're saying 600 different kinds of cheese that, like is, that is that are counted right now probably yeah, many more exactly. And we don't yeah. really have like, and I think people don't, you know, we're we're a little bit less confident. It's like France has all the confidence. They're like, of course we're gonna have a cheese shop and you're gonna wanna <laughs> go. And, and everyone's like, yeah, of course, cause it's France. Whereas Italy, yeah. we're like, hmm, yeah.
2: And more in the North, although, so in Milan there's tech. it's a fantastic place oh, yeah. And La Baita del Formaggio, it's another great shop in Milan that focuses only on cheese. In Bra, funny name, it's called Bra, yeah. like beer. Yeah. In Piemonte, they have Jolito, and he is, like, Alessandro Jolito. You can call him, like, Mr. Cheese, because he has invented many cheeses that we love. Um, in Bolzano, there's Degust. So, a gentleman called Hansi Baumgartner. He left behind, like, a Michelin star chef status and opened a cheese shop in
1: 1994. Here's and he probably also, the best name, Hansi Baumgartner. Yeah,
2: Baumgartner.
1: Gartner, was-
2: <laughs> Yeah, sells cheeses that he selects and he matures cheese in his own cave i mean is that enough um but then in the south also there's shops that are dedicated to just uh cheese one of my favorites is in naples a city that i hold very dear to my heart it's called sogni di latte and i met the owner recently at a cheese competition he actually got an award he sells 250 to 300 different types of cheese. Uh, Gino Sorbillo, who is a famous pizza chef, goes there, shops there. He created the Quattro lati pizza topping, which has blue di bufala, which we talked about, pecorino oh. romano, goat's milk ricotta, and burrata on the pizza. Insane. <laughs>
1: Insane. Insane.
2: And they also, in in Naples, which is not, you know, it's a place where it's it's a, it's a, it's a Less affluent area of Italy, but they sell the noble milk. Uh, noble milk is kind of a dairy crew, like champagne, mm-hmm. of the Campania Apennines, and it's that kind of milk that wants you, that it's like inviting you to take big sips from a glass, leaving you like the gut milk. Oh right yeah, yeah, that sounds it's good. It's like that kind of milk that you just want to, you just want to guzzle. And then another southern Italian cheese shrine is in Ortigia, our beloved Ortigia in Sicily, and it's Fratelli Burgio. I mean, it's very popular, but but you can get those things at the the
1: end of the market, on the left side. Oh, yeah, those guys are great.
2: Yeah, they sell those big saffrony blocks of Piacentino Enese, which is this incredible cheese that's studded with peppercorns, and they also sell a version that's studded with whole shelled pistachios, the bricks of Raguzano cheese, that's, again, pasta filata. There's a special goat from the area called Girgentana, and they have cheeses made with that. And then, <laughs> ready, make that sound again, the tricotta, not the ricotta. It's a ricotta that's cooked not twice, but three times, because after it's lost all of its moisture, it's baked in the oven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. I can't even, you know.
1: Oh, and the Giorgentana is—I've actually seen them. If you go to Agrigento and you go to the Valle de Templi, they're right in the archaeological site. Yeah, and they're so beautiful, they're like with the with those beautiful horns that are like spiraling up. They spiral, and
2: they've got big, long white beards, and they're very—you know—goats are very smart animals. Sheep, you can kind of herd them together and tell them what to do, and they get scared very easily, and they like the flock. Um, goats are smart. They have their own mind. They're like, I'm going to go on that mountain and I'm going to eat that little shrub that's vertically, you know, Um, the laws of physics don't apply to sheep, that's a goat. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, as you can see that, Eleonora, you know so much and it's so much fun talking to you about food. And one (laughs) of the things, like, I I keep proposing this idea. I mean, I'm like, it seems like I'm joking, but I would like to do just a food road trip with you. Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I just think it would be so much fun. And, but, I also, I was so happy when I saw, I was on your website, and I saw, if you go on the Casa Mia Tours website, so CasaMiaTours.com, and you look on the top, it, says, it, it very, very says, I believe it says digital, and I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're digital? Because one of the beauties of what Eleonora and her partner, Gina, are doing is they're organizing these on-site intense food tours, but I don't think that... And, and food experiences. So it's not just food tours, it's, it's, it's really experiences and experience I'm gonna let you define that. Um, but you know, I was just, you know, these are the kind of things that I love sharing with people. And when I saw what you're doing digitally, I was like, oh my God, this is great because what you're doing is you're bringing it into a digital format as well. So that people who might not be able to come to Italy, who might not be in Italy right now, who like, for example, me, my sisters and my mom, we could do a cooking class. We could do a wine and cheese pairing tasting class with you. Um, you want to yes. tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah. Well, um, we started. We launched. Um, What's cooking under the hashtag What's Cooking? Um, it's it, <laughs> And so we bring Italy into your kitchens from hours, and we cook together in live, interactive for about an hour, an hour and a half, and we teach you how to make. Uh, very simple recipes that a house, you know, a home cook can make nothing, you know, no molecular cuisine. We have very skilled chefs that can do that. Not us. Um, we teach, um, we don't teach, we're not teachers. We share together. We cook together. Fantastic recipes. Like we fry arancini together, or we make pasta, hand-rolled pasta, or, you know, I did, I'm doing actually, um, and we'll be doing more, uh, in the spring and beginning of summer, um, you know, seasonal vegetables. So right now it's artichokes next week. It'll be something else because it's a very narrow window. Um, how do, how do, one, so,
1: so I, I like when you're talking about seasonal, seasonal pro- products, like, so basically you sign I would sign up and then I have to source everything.
2: Yes. We send you a week in advance or more. We send you depending if the things are more difficult to find, we send you a shopping list with ideas of where to source, um, ingredients, uh, valid alternatives. If you are gluten-free, you don't want to fry with beer batter. You, I I can give you an alternative, uh, that's gluten-free. Um, we kind of mix it up with vegetarian preparations as well. If people are not happy to eat meat, um, and we then give you, you know, it's zoom, it's done on a platform that can do conferencing and, um, we cook together at the same time. We check in and look at everyone's kitchens. And and so it becomes a communal, uh, at a distance, a, a communal experience. So uh, the in-person cooking classes are fantastic because you get to go into people's homes. Our chefs are all our cooks are all people that open their homes to our um, guests. Uh, and so it's not just learning how to cook. You are curled into a cultural experience of living in Rome with someone. We go to the market first, source some of the ingredients, go back to the cook's house or apartment or villa, and then you cook with them, and then you eat with them, and then the conversation lingers, and then you have coffee, and let's have a little piece of cheese, and then you've had this full immersion in local Italian life. And we do this in all the cities where we're present. So in Naples and other various cities in Sicily and in Florence and Tuscany and now in Emilia-Romagna and all the great food places of Italy. Um, but then, you know, it's going to, it's a way of being together when we are separate and not everyone can travel to Italy. Not everyone can travel off season, for example. Um because you have kids in school, or because you're working and you don't have all that time. Off. Yeah, not everybody can travel. Italy. I mean, it's, it's, not it's everybody can travel. And, and so we can have a uh, one hour and a half time together in which we are in your kitchen and you're in ours and you're I, in Rome. I think that's or, pretty
0: cool.
2: or, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's, and you know, we have um, classes scheduled and we, um, have a minimum of 10, sometimes 15 people for different kinds of tastings. And uh, like the wine and cheese pairing is, is very, very popular, as you can imagine, because I talk about this and, and Gina, my business partner, who's also a illuminated sommelier and wine lover. Um, she talks about, you know, all the wine pro- profiles and I talk about the cheese and then how they go well together, how they don't go well together. So this is a bad pairing, this is a good pairing. Yeah, a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) And then we have, you you can,
1: you can customize the classes, correct? Like, so say I wanted to do something like literally just for me and my family. Yeah. My my extended um, family. (laughs) Yes. So
2: extended families can living at different parts of the world can cook together through our, our what's cooking, um, experiences because, um, you have in your household, there's one device going, you know, one you know one One screen and then we have one in you know the other side of the world in florida and then we have another one with your family your cousin in the southern part of rome or um you know scattered across friends in la you want to do a little private tasting with just your i mean it's private lesson with your family and your close knit friends you don't want to be with you know strange not strangers but people because it's semi-private let's call it but if you want to have a private one-on-one or put together the family through the number of screens that you have we can do that
1: and it can be
2: yeah modified also not just one dish you want to have a bigger longer class you want to do a meal a full-fledged sunday five course italian meal we can do that that is intense (laughs) yeah Then we're also going to, in June, probably, we're going to start talking about cooking with kids. So the adults are only there to supervise. We have the kids cooking. That'll be, you know, a good weekend activity.
1: Oh, my God. That's actually going to be more than, I mean, you know, it's that's going to be a lot of fun because I think that, um, I think it's really fun to cook with, like, you know, I have an 11-year-old, we have an 18-year-old, and we've gone through the different incarnations of cooking with kids, but there are kids. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll say things like, hey, you don't you might want to add a little olive oil to the pan before you burn it. And uh, that's not really taken very well by their, um, their parental figures. They don't like that. (laughs) So it'd be great. If it becomes like a
2: a learning activity and it's not a boring learning activity, but it's fun. And there's interaction and we teach things like mise en place and basic cooking things, but then it becomes a game. Then it's a nice, it's a nice,
1: all I'll right be signing now. up someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy to talk with you. And I'm I, I'm gonna have to bring you back on the podcast to talk about maybe, maybe we'll go out of cheese and we'll go into something else um, for the next podcast. But I have a question for you. So, what cheese will you be eating today?
2: Today I am making pasta alla norma. So I'm gonna be grating a ricotta salata. So it's that ricotta cheese that's made with, you know, recooked whey. a little bit of milk and then it's aged and salted so it's a salty gradable ricotta that petals of it fall on pasta that's been tossed with a simple tomato sauce and fried chunks of eggplant I found the first eggplants in the market yay so it's a summer dish I'm missing the basil I'll try and see if I can find some in the neighbor's garden
0: he doesn't know but I'm gonna go there and
2: steal some um and I'm gonna make so I'm gonna have ricotta salata on my menu today um, and then there's several pieces of parmigiano, you know, in by default, in my uh, cheese box. I don't keep my cheeses in the refrigerator.
1: Oh. Mind-blowing sound again? Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I, also, I think, you know, the other, like, it wasn't really mind-blowing as much, but early on in this conversation, you were like, never put plastic around the cheese. So let's yeah, just, I'm, let's just just, just give, give us the rules now. Just give, give it, give it to us. So why do you think Sorry.
2: things called yeah, a cheesecloth? A cheesecloth is not just to pick up the cheese and make cheese. It's a way to swaddle the cheese and wrap it in cloth um, because through the cloth, the cheese continues to breathe. In plastic, it does not. So you will see molds forming on, in both cases. In the case of the cloth-bound cheese, also not too cold. So you put if you have a nice uh, wooden box that someone gifted you wine? Yeah, if you have a wooden box, that's ideal. If you have a dome, like a glass dome, that's better. Just have the cheese away from the fridge. But if you're swaddling it in cloth, it continues to breathe. It will form some molds. Those are perfectly fine. The cheese, don't throw away the cheese. If it's covered in a little bit of mold, just carve it off. Um, in plastic, it will develop more moisture and different kinds of molds. But in that case, That's dangerous. Yeah, it kills the cheese. It kills the live organism. So plastic, yeah. If you have paper towels, wrap it in that paper towels and then put it somewhere. So that the paper towels absorb a little bit of the fat. What about the mozzarella? Mozzarella does not last in my household. Okay. How can mozzarella last? You keep it out of the fridge, (laughs) in in its liquid, anything left over in its liquid submerged and then not more than two or three days then
1: it starts losing
2: its life so just eat it quick (laughs) okay
1: i mean i think that's eat it eat it quick seems to be like my my family motto
2: (laughs) why would you have it sitting around anyway any piece that's like left over two days you can use in a recipe you could cook it down but fresh you just want to have it in the moment eating it with your hands and the way of dribbling down your all the way down to your elbow and it's a moment of happiness.
1: So with that moment of happiness, I would love everyone to get that moment of happiness. Eleonora, will you share with us how people can find you?
2: Yes, people can find me uh, as Eleonora Baldwin, all one word, on Instagram. But also I contribute to the Casa Mia Tours Instagram um, feed and stories. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Pasero, which means little sparrow. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, again, you're, I'd you're like your little sparrow. I'm most shitty. Enough. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the gnat. <laughs> we go together, um, and uh, yeah, but maybe it's better if you find me on the Casamia Tours uh, social media. So Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest,
0: all um, Casamia yeah.
2: Tours, all one word. Correct? tours, yes, all one word, and look for the hashtag What's Cooking. You know that that's always fun there to find, and yeah, that's me. Well, I'll be <laughs> sure. I my I, blog, I got you to Verancino. That's fun. Yeah, that's so, uh, a little I- neglected now, but it's a fun net, uh, place to go read.
1: I, lo- I love your blog, and I I'm gonna for everybody on my blog. Um, on on Chau Bella in the podcast notes for this particular podcast you'll have all the details on eleonora her bio we'll also have links to all of the sites and um, the hashtag what's cooking so we can see what she's cooking and if you guys want to jump in awesome
0: Eleanor, i thanks. just would
1: like if there's if there's time one last
0: thing
2: oh yeah so back to the beginning of what you said about your mom and milk <laughs> okay so ready with the with the mind blowing note. Lactose, lactose, lactose. Uh-huh. isn't moist cheeses and creamy ones. The harder, drier cheeses, anything aged beyond six months, no lactose. No lactose.
0: <laughs>
2: and then goat's milk and sheep's milk, of course, more digestible. Also important to remember every person's level of intolerance will vary. But if you have older cheeses, that's why the pardomigiano was so okay. favored in your family.
1: Exactly. No. All right. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me on Ciao Bella. And I can't wait to have you on again. It was a great conversation. And uh, the, on, the only downside to this is i it's a holiday here. So I can't go to the cheese shop and buy the cheese right now because <laughs> everything is closed. And now I'm hungry.
2: Uh, it was a pleasure being on, on this wonderful cheese conversation. And uh, I hope everyone tries, goes beyond the comfort zone
1: and tries something blue today. Taste the cheesiest. That's that's my my
0: tagline, taste the cheesiest. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafierpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at Ericafierpo. Ciao bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Disc to Disc Studios. The producers of Chow Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great.